Welcome to the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast with me, Madge Obasaki. I'm an ordained minister, a church consultant, author, and I'm honoured to be the host of this podcast. This podcast addresses a wide range of issues which affect the healthy growth of the church at large. Every single Monday, you'll hear me with fellow ministers, church leaders, and experts in their field to help leaders in the body of Christ identify practical solutions. Join me every Monday for an episode of the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast. Hello, and this is episode 39 of the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast. Today, you'll hear my conversation with guest Pastor Terry Nightingale in Western Australia. He'll be talking to me about facing up to his own mistakes and disappointments. Now, I know that you'll find him absolutely authentic. This is a subject area, however, that doesn't always get addressed by church leaders and leaders in the church. After all, they're supposed to be strong role models, aren't they? (laughs) That seems to ring true, especially in the church world. But before we get to my conversation with Terry, I have to say I'm beyond excited and grateful because next week will be the 40th episode of the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast, Only by God's Grace. Since we're talking about mistakes and disappointments, today in this episode, let me be real. I didn't think we would go beyond episode 10. There's a story behind it. And if you tune in next week, you'll hear what it is. But there's so much content out there and it's really challenging to keep momentum up. But as I said, if you make a date for next week, which will be episode 40, I will share more. Now over to my conversation with Pastor Terry Nightingale. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast. Today we start off a new series talking to leaders about issues in leadership. And today we're talking about a subject that doesn't always get covered and that's the the mistakes we made. Whatever mistake we've made, we can address it by looking back to look forward, part of the title of the book written by my guest, and he is Pastor Terry Nightingale over in Western Australia. Pastor Terry, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, Madge. (laughs) Looking forward to chatting. So sorry for purloining your book, but I thought that was a good segue. So tell me, how did you come to be a pastor? What's the journey to you coming to be a pastor. Okay, well, uh, so I'm in my early 60s now. So, um, oh I, and I, uh, <laughs> I felt the call to be a pastor a long time ago. Mm. And, uh, and that's uh, actually that journey itself is um, part of the reason I wrote the book is because um, I had a number of discouragements and disappointments along the way. Mm. Uh, but certainly as a fairly young Christian, I found that desire in my heart to, to serve God in pastoral ministry. And, uh, and over the years, I've been sort of in and out of uh, pastoral ministry, but also uh, teaching in Christian schools as well. So I've, I've kind of been um, walking in both of those spaces. Uh, but it was only really later in life that I actually uh, went to Bible college and studied 
uh, more formally and, uh, you know, kind of jumped in with both feet. Right. We've written this great book and I have actually read some excerpts from the book. Uh, yeah. We're going to discuss some of the quotes. Uh, really interesting. Looking back to move forward. What made you write the book in the first place? Well, uh, one of the things I think I say in the in the book is that um, sometimes it feels like uh, I've experienced failure more than success, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, not that I'm wanting to say that's normal, but certainly for me, um, I had a number of uh, dreams that I really wanted to go for mm. and they didn't necessarily materialize or they didn't materialize in the way I wanted them to I mean even going way back to when I became I became a Christian when I was in my late teens and I was really into music in fact before I became a Christian um, if, if anybody had asked me what do you want to be you know what do you want to do when you grow up I would have said I want to be a rock star and um, then when I became a Christian I wanted to serve God uh, in the area of praise and worship. I was uh, a songwriter and I, I really enjoyed uh, that whole aspect of church life, you know, leading people in worship. And uh, I had this dream that I would write songs that would go all over the world. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that never happened. And um, that was really the beginning of, of a number of things that opened my life. I had a heart's desire to do or to achieve and they didn't work out the way I wanted. Uh, some things did. Uh, but uh, a, a number of things didn't. And uh, so um, I began to feel that, um, uh, well, when I started writing a book, it was because uh, I'd been through a number of processes really where I just wanted to try and make sense of some of those disappointments. And, uh, you know, because we, the world we live in says, oh, you know, don't look behind, you know, don't, don't look back, you know, it's onwards and upwards, you know, uh, move on, you know, forget the past. Uh, but I don't think the Bible teaches that, you know, I think the Bible teaches us that uh, God has plans for us and he's transforming us and he wants us to bear fruit. And, and I have discovered that God wants to take us through times when we have felt discouraged or disappointment or even times when we feel we failed and that he wants to bring us through those times uh, for his greater purposes and uh, that we might be even more fruitful. So, so really after um, God helping me to make sense of some things, I really wanted to start writing those things down. So uh, to the nitty gritty, um, I, I read extracts of the book and I have to say it was really quite candid. And you, you know, you're candid about your own mistakes, uh, which I was, I found quite refreshing. Um, mm. Were you always comfortable with being that, authentic um probably not <laughs> um but um i mean really there's no point being anything else is there you know yeah you say um, that but you know i myself have been in uh, various forms of leadership corporate and now in in the church for many yeah. decades and i don't often find that people are brave enough and it is and it is i think it takes bravery um yeah. boldness uh, to be authentic and to own yeah. up to, to one's mistakes. So yeah. it's not a given, I don't. What made you sort of turn around and say, I, I just need to be real about this and say it the way it is? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, I think, uh, uh, I mean, certainly there have been times in my life when I haven't been, 
But when I think about people I know today and, you know, in recent years, those people that I really look up to, people that, are, that inspire me, they would almost, almost all of them, I would say, would be people who are fairly honest and, uh, uh, you know, about where things are at in their lives. You know, they're not trying to hide anything. And, and I guess I find that I'm attracted to that in other people, you know, when, when I can, when you can tell that somebody is just being real about where things are at and they're not trying to pretend to be putting on a brave face when actually, you know, life is sucking that day, you know, when people are being really real and truthful, I, I'm attracted to that. I, I admire people who are like that. So I, so I guess I have uh, wanted to be like that myself because I see that in other people. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting you say you're attracted to people like that because obviously we're, you know, in 2021 now. And what I have noticed over, I would say, the last five, six, maybe seven years is these influencers online, on social right. media, etc., particularly yeah. YouTube, they have shot to fame and made their yeah. fortunes, frankly, yeah. because they've been willing to bear all now when I was growing up and I would imagine that so we're very similar age so I when I was growing up we were never encouraged as you said before you know to yeah. air our dirty dirty linen yeah. so <laughs> how yeah. can leaders who are baby boomers we fit in that category or generation x or maybe even the older side of mm. millennial how can they start to a look at themselves and address some of the issues and the challenges that they've had so baby boomers are our yeah. generation yeah. generation x is the kind of 50 40 50 year olds and you've got yes. older millennials that go up to maybe 37 38 years yes. old something like that so they're older um, yeah. and maybe had an upbringing where they weren't encouraged to be as authentic so how do we encourage people to be authentic I think one of the things that speaks to me is um, that at, at the end of the day we are in ministry because we want to serve people we want to help people don't we yeah we want to make a we want to make a difference in people's lives we yeah. want to see God working in people's lives and I know that if I if I pretend to be something that I'm not that is zero help to anybody, right? Because if I if I pretend to be a, a superstar or something that always gets things right and, you know, uh, just, um, you know, it's, yeah, never makes a mistake, then that means that the person who believes that when they make a mistake, they then think they're terrible or they should never be in ministry or, do you know what I mean? Whereas I yeah. think when... When, when I'm open and honest about my own shortcomings and and weaknesses, then maybe that helps someone else to say, oh, well, God still uses Terry despite his weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Maybe God will use me too, you know? And uh, when I think I was saying earlier about people that uh, I admire, people who I respect, um, who um, are honest about where they're at, uh, they they make me feel like that, you know. When when they're honest about where things are at, uh, it it makes me think, oh yeah, that's okay then. That's all right. Yeah, I'm struggling there too. So there's hope for me as well. 
we're talking about mistakes, but have you got a, a specific example where you've had to reflect and, and admit that, you know, I got this wrong? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's one uh, story that's in the book. It's actually in the, in the introduction where I was angry with a person uh, in a church I was serving in uh, at that time. The person had made a mistake, and uh, I won't go into details because it says a bit more in the book. But, uh, the person had made a mistake, and, and I, I really felt it was a, a mistake that they should not have made. <laughs> and and uh, this book, this, this guy was... Uh, twice the size of me he was enormous all right so I mean I'm fairly short but this guy was a monster in comparison to me and and I remember being so cross with him because of the mistake he had made um, and it wasn't a sort of an accident mistake it was a deliberate doing something that he knew was wrong and I actually I actually was so angry with him that I just went up to him and I I just laid into him I was you know I just told him what what I thought and you know that was it and I tell you what our our relationship then disintegrated for at least two years really because of the because of the way I spoke to him you know it was all wow wow anyway two years later when God had done a few things in my heart and showed me that that's really not the best way to do pastoral care. I uh, went to see him and, and apologised to him. And wow. he very graciously he very graciously accepted my apology. But um, one of the things he said to me at that time when I went back to him, he said, and, and bearing in mind that this guy's huge, right? He said, you know, he said at that time when you did that, he said, if you were not a pastor, he said, I would have dicked you where you stood. He would wow. have thumped me. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, but um, you know, so so I, I so thankfully I was a pastor because uh, I didn't have my uh, my face uh, crushed in. But uh, you know, I I think I think that's one of the challenges I faced in ministry is that to actually admit it when you get it wrong, you know, because if you don't, that does a huge amount more damage than than admitting you have messed up. You know, I think uh, I think most people want honesty, you know, and I think most people want want to see humility in people you know so so I, I realized that um, early on in ministry that if I if I didn't get something right you know to be clear about it and say hey look I'm sorry I got it wrong let's let's try and do better next time. So what was it in that two-year period that said you said to yourself I'm gonna have to apologize to that guy you said God did you said God did a work in my heart or words to that effect but what what was it specifically because I, I want I want people to th that might be struggling in this area to understand yeah. what the process is. What yeah. how, how did you process it, and how did you come to the conclusion that you needed to go and apologise to this guy? Yeah, good question. I think probably initially, and for some time, I felt absolutely justified in the way I'd handled it. And be, uh, the reason I felt justified would have been because I looked at what this guy had done. And it was clear that he had not done the right thing in a particular situation. And what he had done affected other people and looked bad on the church that I was leading at the time. So I felt justified in um, basically telling him off because of what he had done. The process God had to lead me through was to make me realise two things, really. One was that this particular chap, he, uh, when, it, when he looked at the same story, he didn't see it 
in in black and white terms in the same way that I did. Oh. Um, and uh, uh, that's not to say that you know we compromise on on sin or or anything like that. But um, because of his uh, particular background, he he had a different view of some things. But I think the main thing was that despite the fact that I felt right in believing this person had made a wrong decision and, and done things wrongly, I think the way I handled it was appalling. Ah. And I think that I think that was the, the 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 big sort of aha moment for me was to move away from this person has done wrong to the way you handled it, Terry, was very bad. Uh, and so um that's when I realised I needed to apologise to him for the way that I'd handled it. And really, I'd handled it in a very disrespectful way. Mm. You know, there's ways of there's ways of bringing truth to people. There's a ways of speaking truth of in course. love, isn't there? Of As course. leaders, there's ways of bringing correction to people sometimes. Mm. Mm. And I had not done any of those ways. <laughs> so I'd gone in with both feet and... Um, Uh, acted out of anger, really, rather than out of love. You mentioned, you know, the heart of God and and listening. And and actually, in the book, you mention listening to God. Talk to me about that, because that seems to be a key. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, in the Christian life, uh, um, a lot of very important things often come down to two things, um, and that is prayer and the word of God. You know, a lot of decisions we make in life, a lot of things that are important in our Christian life actually come down to prayer and the word of God. And and I think listening to God is very much in that space of prayer and the word of God. So with prayer, you know, they say prayer is a two way communication. You know, we are uh, invited to engage with almighty God, you know, with a loving father in heaven and um so I find in my own prayer life that um, I, I tell God how I feel. I, I tell him everything that's in my heart. I talk to him about things that I'm struggling with. I talk to him about things that are going well. It's meant to be a, a, a relationship. Christians will relate to me when I say that, um, you know, there are times when you have a sense in prayer that God wants you to pray for a particular person or in a particular way, yeah. or you get a peace in your heart about um, a particular course of action. So uh, that's all part of listening to God. Now, of course, we don't just sort of dive off with with every thought that comes into our minds. You know, there's checks and balances that uh, we need to do. You know, the Word of God teaches us to weigh things carefully. Uh, We are meant to be part of a community, a, a local church, where we can talk with other trusted brothers and sisters, leaders, if we are making big decisions. We don't just go with, you know, a thought that comes into our head. We do need to check things properly. But I, 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 I have certainly found a number of times that um, a decision has come, has, has first started or, or something that I eventually decided to do. It, it first came as a thought in a time of prayer. Then, you know, I might talk it through with my wife or my leadership team or with other Christian friends. And then that helps us to process, you know, how much of that is of God, how much of it is, is of me. So number, so number one, prayer, listening through prayer. And then number two, of course, the, the primary way we hear God's voice is through his written word. And um, it was impressed on me heavily when I first became a Christian way back when I was 19, that reading the word of God 
is a vital part of our lives, you know. And I think that um, as ministers, it's, it's easy to get so caught up in the busyness of life that uh, sometimes uh, ministers, pastors can find that they're only reading the word of God when they've got a sermon to prepare. Mm. But actually, you know, God's heart for us is to have a relationship with him daily in the word, not necessarily reading the word because we've got to prepare a Bible study for later on, but but just in the word uh, with with him as an audience of one. And, and I've often found uh, that just in that... Um, unpressurized time because I don't have to prepare a Bible study or anything but I'm just reading the word for what it is I've often found that things will jump out and uh, will just be relevant to a particular thing I need to think about and and you know it makes sense doesn't it that if we if we want to hear from God then let's put ourselves in the place where God speaks and where does God speak well he speaks in his word so let's let's put ourselves in the word as often as possible. But, you know, you bring up a really important point because uh, we're at a time in history or never, uh, nobody's ever experienced uh, anything quite as bad as this. And um, we're still in a pandemic and people are very ill or unfortunately have passed away. As such, you know, we've got pastors who might be bivocational, so they might yeah. be working for an employer or self-employed, and they're also yeah. there as a pastor uh, for a flock. Yeah. And they have gone through exactly what other people have gone through in terms of loss in whatever realm that yeah. is. And as such, what happens is that people are quite overwhelmed by mm. the circumstance, life circumstances. And yeah. so they get quite distracted and that leads them perhaps as you suggested not to pick up their bible not to pray or forget Uh, so you bring up a really really important point because uh, I I speak to a lot of pastors as you probably know and Mm. I, I can tell you that you know sometimes we've got to talk about you know their own spiritual health and well-being yeah Um, and they've got to look after that first so thank you for that because it's a very important reminder going back yeah there's an illustration I came across recently that I found quite helpful that um, you know obviously not many people are flying in planes at the moment but uh, when you when you normally fly in a plane um, you have a little bit at the beginning of the flight where the uh, the uh, air stewards and stewardesses do their um their thing you know where they tell you what happens in an emergency and all that sort of thing and one of the things they say is that uh, if oxygen masks are required you know they'll fall down and uh, you put them on and they say that if you have young children they say put yours on first before you put your child's on and I must and I remember thinking the first time I heard that I thought what really no surely you should need to take care of your young one before you take take, take care of yourself uh, but of course it was explained that uh, well how can you help your young one if you're running out of oxygen yourself you know you you need to put the mask on and then you can help others and I think that's a really good illustration for people in ministry you know unless we are 
drinking from the waters of life ourselves then what have we got left to give to other people yeah that that's yeah you're depleted that's a really good analogy in the book uh, I'm gonna have to read this you were enlisted to turn around the fortunes of a Christian school you were struggling to do that frankly and uh Yep. One of your friends um, said it takes as much faith to close a ministry as to open one. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I still remember that as a, as a difficult time, even though it was many years ago. When I joined the Christian school, I was actually invited to, to do this role. Um, and uh, so obviously at the time, the expectation was that the, the school was going to flourish. It was a, a fairly small cushion school, um, but uh, the expectation at the time was that it would grow and flourish. But as you know, as time went on, um, things changed in the church that I was part of that oversaw the school, and that made a difference to um, the the direction of the school, uh, or at least the uh, the vision that the the church had for the school. Um, and it became apparent after some time that we were not attracting the numbers for the school to be financially viable. I remember that as being probably one of the hardest things I had to do because I've always believed, uh, up to that point, I had always believed, oh, you know, if God puts a dream on your heart, you know, go for it and it's going to happen. And my dream at that time was that the, the school would grow and grow and grow and it would be a major ministry and it would be wonderful and we'd, we'd have lots and lots of kids coming to Christ and making a difference in the world. And, you know, um, the kids that were blessed to that school, you know, have gone on and flourished in the world, which has been great. But the school closed before uh, before I would have liked it to. And um, I think it became clear to some people before me that uh, God was saying that uh, it had a limited um, lifespan. And it took me a while to realise that that was the case. Um, and so that's when that, that friend said that to me, that... Uh, you know, it takes more faith to close, takes as much faith to close something as it is to to start something. And of course, you know, there are times when uh, the life of a church will come to an end or the life of another ministry will come to an end. And there may be good or bad reasons for that. But what I learned from that experience is, you know, whatever the situation, you, you've got to be walking with the Lord and you've got to be trying to listen to what he's saying. And you may feel that something is wrong for it to stop. But at the end of the day, you know, if God's saying, actually, that's it, then we need to hear that, you know, and I had to come to that place where uh, God was saying, you know, I know you've got desires for this to go beyond, but actually, you know, God was saying, I I'm actually going to close this now and I've got other things for you to do. Did you, did you find that particularly difficult? And, and what advice can you give to other leaders to make those difficult decisions yeah I mean I think that there's always life beyond it you know I went on to uh, after that I served my church in an evangelistic role and and that was great really as uh, a real it was a real joy to do that so for 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 me personally you know God had other plans and, and and other works for me to do 
So, you know, maybe that's one thing that if it looks like something isn't working out, but God's got other work, God got other things for you to do, or he's got, got other plans for that church or that organisation to do. You know, God always has more things down the track. But I think also that, um, you know, somebody once said to me, you know, God gives us a vision, God gives us things to go for. But he still has the authority to do the course changes, you know, so I might I might think I'm seeing clearly this is the way things are going. You know, we're heading in this direction. Uh, you know, we've, we've got to allow for the fact that uh, God might say, actually, you know, there's uh, this there's stormy weather up ahead. We're going to turn this plane and, and change direction a bit. You know, I think I think when God puts a dream in our hearts or, or gives us a vision towards something, he doesn't actually give us the map of the entire journey, does he? No. You know, and and uh, and, and where we think we're going may well be where we are going. But um, God always has the uh, the last being over here instead of over there. So I think that was the other thing that I learned really is that, uh, you know, um, it's good to go for things. It's good to go for things that, that God puts on our hearts. But at the end of the day, he is still sovereign and he's the one building building the church. Mm, and, thank uh, you. Really good advice. So your book, it's yeah. back to move forward. I've got um, a printed yeah. copy of it in my hand. Embracing setbacks for greater fruitfulness. It, it's a compilation of experiences that you've had and also linking it with the word of God and a particular examples uh, in the Bible. Who, who is the book specifically for? I would say, uh, I mean, initially I wrote it for leaders, um, but then I realised that, um, you know, any Christian knows what it's like to be discouraged, you know, so um, that probably made it, <laughs> I, I think because, you know, we're human beings and because we are uh, working out our salvation, learning what it is to, to do God's will in our lives, you know, we, we all have times of encouragement, we all have times when God is, uh, you know, the, things are happening and it's good, but we all also have times when things don't work out we have setbacks, we have discouragements. And so, you know, any believer, I think, can relate to that. And so so I would hope that the, the message in the book is for, for, you know, almost any Christian, really. Any, if anybody's ever had any kind of discouragement or, or setback, then maybe there's, a, there's some things in there for you. Yeah, I, I mean, even though I've only read that extract, so the things that you brought up, I thought, wow, you know, because um, we all make mistakes, but it's it's actually yeah. as as per your example with the young man that had made a mistake, it's the yeah. way we respond to it that's that's yeah. it, isn't it? So we are going to include the link to the book in our show yeah. notes. But tell us generally where you can get it, what platforms you can get it on. Okay, so uh, you can definitely get it from Amazon. Yeah. Um, it's on the Amazon UK site. Yeah, um, as well as I the American. It's... Is it on the American yeah. site? Because half our listeners are in America. Okay, yes, it's on the American site as well. Um, if there's anyone out here in Australia, it's on the Australian site too. Yeah. Um, Barnes & Noble, I believe it's on there. I got an email from Karis the other day saying it seems to be on all the major on all the major sort of internet um, book outlets. So Karis is um, the publisher. Yeah, so Karis, that's K H. 
A-R-I-S, Karis Publishing. And you, so you can get it direct from Karis as well. So we'll, we'll put all those links, including a link to your blog, um, which I've read some of, very, <laughs> very uh, a devotional, and very, very good, all on our show notes. So one last piece of advice that you can uh, give our listeners about mistakes and, and dealing with them. <laughs> Just just know that God loves you, you know. I, I don't think God loves us more or less whether we do well or don't do well, you know. I think, um, I think uh, one reason why I keep coming back to, in the book, keep coming back to just spending time with God, being in the Word, being in prayer, is because at the end of the day, that's who we are, you know. He is our Father in heaven. He loves us to bits. And whatever we do on planet Earth, it's only preparation for time in, in eternity in His presence, you know. So, you know, let's let's spend time with Him now. You know, let's get to know Him as best we can now. And I do believe the more we spend time with God, the more we... Uh, the more we work things out with him, the more fruitful we will be.